Hey, who in here has got some issues with their throat? Would you stand up if you got issues with your throat? Okay, there's a couple of people. All right, and anyone who has any kind of like uh, spine issues, stand up. Anything with spine. Okay, we're going to pray. The Lord spoke to me those while we were in worship that he wanted to touch throats this morning. He wanted to touch spines. So put your hand, if you're near, let's get lay hands on them. Just go, go to those people and lay hands. We're going to release the, the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good, delivering all those who were afflicted by the devil. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus this morning, we lay our hands and we speak. We speak deliverance from throat issues. We speak healing in Jesus' name over throats and over spines. Lord, we ask you to do a miracle today. We're asking, Lord, for instantaneous healings. We thank you for process healings, but we're asking for you would also heal instantly, Lord. Instantly. We're calling out, Lord. We're pulling heaven down to touch your people, Lord, that you're going to heal us. You're going to make us whole, Lord. And Lord, you have already healed us. The Bible declares that we have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so we pull on that healing today. And we ask you, Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ. Be healed. Let my healing come. I receive my healing. Healing manifest. In Jesus' name, I command it. Devil, get your hands off of me. Devil, go. Jesus, come more. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good. Woo, the Lord's good. Yeah, amen. Yep, the Lord wants to heal people. Okay. So I'm going to read these. Uh, I'm going to read uh, some verses out of Romans one, uh, verses eighteen through twenty-two, and then I'll tell you some stuff about it. That's really awesome. It says, uh, "But God shows His anger. God actually has anger, right? Uh, somebody has said that, that God doesn't have anger, but that's kind of not right. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth." By their wickedness. And that's something. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. This is powerful here. Very powerful. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Wow. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Wow, this is the Bible now. I'm not making this up. It's right here. Yes, they knew God. That says something. But they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideals of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Isn't that not a verse, some verses for today? And if you read the rest of it, you know, all the way down to the end, it it's, tells you, you know, some pretty, pretty rough stuff. But um, I wanted to read this, but 
for a few, I feel like this is something the Lord's been really talking to me about lately, uh, about loving the truth. And uh, I remember uh, probably about 12 years ago now, I was in Argentina at this church, and it was a like typical, what in your mind, Argentine church. You know what I'm saying? If you if you've never been there, you know, those churches are just amazing. They're mostly smaller churches, and there's some huge churches there. Uh, and they're just so uh, kind of raw and, you know, not sophisticated. And just, it's good, man. I just love those places. You know, in fact, the last time we were there, we went to one church, and, and I thought, oh, why, why are y'all trying to be like an American church? I, that was my feeling. I don't really like this. I want to, I can go to churches in America I want to come down here and do Argentine-style church. But uh, I was going to preach that night, and there was a lot of people in that little church. It was packed. There was really a great pastor in that church that I remember. Um, And I I was going to read these verses, and I read them, and then I had a thought in my mind what I wanted to say, and I don't remember what that was, but when I started saying it, I was hearing me say something else, basically. I don't know if you've ever had that where you're almost watching yourself do something. And it's like it seemed so surreal to me at that moment. But but it was like God took me into a, another place in that church. I mean, he really took me into the spirit. Uh, and it was, and I was just seeing things that was incredible. And... You know, in the moment, you kind of don't know really what's happening. You're just kind of like going along for the ride almost. But um, he really spoke these verses into my heart that night. I'll never forget it for the, for the rest of my life. And ever since, ever since then, these verses have been such a precious thing to me because it was connected with that moment with the Lord, you know, and getting caught up into the realm of the Spirit, you know, and preaching but almost like it wasn't me preaching. It was almost like there was another me there in the, in the natural, and I was completely away, disconnected from myself in, in the spirit realm. But this is some of the things that really just stuck out to me, is that this, these verses here really give us this amazing key, a key, not the key. Uh, you know who the key is? The key is Jesus, Okay. But Jesus has given us a ways, ways, you know, there's a move of God, there's a, you know, outpouring, there's a love, but there's also the love, he's a person. But they, they really do give you keys to connect it into the spiritual realm. They really do, they really give you insight from heaven, practical insight to be able to connect into the spirit. It's almost like they're... In here is embedded, it's like, this, it's, I, I look at it like this. It's like a doorstop into the Spirit. It holds the door of the Spirit open if you will, you know, embrace what it says. And you can begin to connect with, with the Lord. And, and lots of times when I feel in my life, you know, life has a way, like she mentioned, that can pull you down into this world, and you're stuck feeling in this world. You know that feeling where you feel like you're just stuck in the world and you're just seeing what everybody else sees and hearing what everybody else hears? 
And you just get, I just get tired of that. I don't want that. That's not what I want for my life. I want to be able to hear what God's saying, you know, and see what God's seeing and, you know, letting that be what I, you know, hear. But these things really, these verses really show us how to do that. I really believe it. And he talks about uh, suppressing the truth by wicked act, actions. That's, there's a suppression of the truth. And actually there's the, the suppression about the truth of God, about God. And when we think about our culture today, more than ever, the truth about God is being suppressed. Not just in riots and, and, and in political debates and, and, and bad laws, but it's being suppressed many times in the church and we don't even realize there's times that things are happening in the church. Things are being said or taught in the church that are twisting the word of the Lord and making it mean something that God never really wanted it to mean. It's a suppression. It's suppressing the truth. So we really can't say today that we're clean and we're innocent of this, being believers. We, we can't just look at rioters. Hey, this is the way I look at rioters. Well, heck yeah, they're going to riot. Of course they are. They don't have Jesus. That's expected of people in the world. But for us, something else is expected. But we may more subtly suppress the truth about God. And he, and he Paul goes on and, and says that, that God has not kept himself secret. That's what he's saying here. God's, God can be known if you really want to know God. He's made himself available to be known for people. And then he gives the one great example that all humanity has is the natural world, the, the stars, the moons, the, the trees, the flowers, the fish. All of those things can really begin to speak to us and reveal the true nature of God and how God is and what God's heart is like if we're willing if we're just willing to let it happen in our life. And, and he says all we have to do, all really God wants from anybody. And it's not like somebody, Maya said, it's not that God needs this, we need this. It's that we would honor God and be thankful. If we would just honor Him and be thankful. See, that's the doorstop. When in your mind you can give God honor, and you can give God thanks for what He's already done for you. You know, we don't want to dishonor the Lord because God's done a lot for us already. You know, God's been very loyal to us. You know, there's times in our lives when we're going to feel like, you know, we get tired, we get frustrated. We feel defeated. We feel like what we're doing is not working in life. We feel like a failure. I, I don't know. Maybe y'all don't, but <laughs> I do. I'm telling you my story. I feel that way at times. I feel I, it just is not working. I need to do something else. But here, I always go back to this. I don't want to dis. I don't want not to be loyal to God because He's been loyal to me. I want to. I don't want to dishonor Him by quitting and just throwing up my hands or becoming embittered or becoming unforgiving or whatever the thing may be. I don't want that for my life because of the goodness of God that God has already shown me in my life. He's, because He's revealed His goodness to me and He's been good to me. You know, and so I want to honor Him. I want us to honor God. I want this to be a place where God Himself is honored above everybody. 
And I want us to be people that are thankful. And I'm so thankful that when we were doing that praise thing this morning, there was something happening in the spirit. It was powerful. There was a, well, here's what I was seeing. You know, the devil is very good at bringing clouds over us. And, and it's like the devil gets these membranes, is what it feels like to me, around us spiritually. But when we begin to be thankful, when we begin to give praise, we can literally bust through those membranes. Literally, we can bust through what the devil's doing. And when we do, heaven is waiting on the other side. Heaven is there. And I begin to see that. I begin to see God begin to, begin to devil going, more of Jesus coming. I saw the waters of heaven that was coming out of the throne of God begin to pour. And then Rhonda came up to me and said, God is saying, there's a time coming soon, right? That it, the rapids of God are in front of us. In other words, you're in a, a, a boat. I don't know, you know, you've been in a boat going down a river and it's kind of quiet and you have to use paddles to move along, right? I mean, there's just those times in God that he says, get your paddles out and get with it, okay? I mean, there's just nothing wrong. But there's also those times when, it, when God is saying, there's rapids coming, you don't, you're not going to be needing paddles except for maybe to push off on rocks and stuff. You need the Holy Ghost in the back of that boat giving you directions. Anybody ever went white watering? Yeah. There's a guy in the back of the boat, and he's telling you what to do. He's telling you, where, where, paddle on this side, paddle on that, because he knows how to navigate those rapids. And God wants to bring the church in America into the rapids of God. And that's God doing something that we can't do. That's God taking us somewhere that we can't go because we can't create that. And we don't want to try to create. We just want to be in that boat. Get in the boat. That's what he's saying. Get in that boat and go. I, years ago, I had this dream. I think I've probably shared it a couple of times here. Maybe. I don't know. But, oh, man, I just love this dream. Because the Lord just clearly gave me an insight for living my life in the spirit. Well, in the dream, I was in California uh, on the beach where all the surfers were. And all, you know, they were cool, okay, all the surfers. They were, had blonde hair. They had good physiques. And they knew how to surf. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these guys, they, they were cool, man. I was in, I was like, man, this is great. I'm glad I'm here. Why am I out here? I don't know how to surf. You know, I have a hard time with a boogie board. <laughs> well, there's this wave came. And it was like a wave that had never come before. And all the surfers that knew how to surf wiped out. Every one of them. I was out there in the water, and I was able to ride that wave. And I rode it all the way to the end. I got off of it. And when I got off, the television news was there. Wanting to interview me. And they said, how did you do this? Nobody can ride these waves. This, is, this wave was impossible to ride. I said, I don't know. All I know is God told me to get in the water and wait till the wave comes. And when it came, I rode it. That's all I know. And that's what the Lord told me. Just be in the water. That's all you got to do. Get in the water. And when that wave comes... I'll take care of the rest. 
And I believe the Lord's going to bring a wave to the body of Christ in America. It may not be in the best circumstance in the world. And all the people who seem to know what they're doing and think they know what they're doing, they're going to wipe out. But the people who are willing to humble themselves, you know, and bow themselves to the Lord and let God have His way, they're going to ride that wave and it's going to be like glory. <laughs> Amen. And I believe that with all my heart. And I have waited in my life since that time for that day. We've had little waves that hit us that were really good, but we haven't had that wave yet. That wave's coming. Amen. So all we had to do was honor God and be faithful. Without that response, without being faithful and honoring God, it says your thoughts will become dark and confused. That's what he's telling us. That's the darkness, that's the confusion that comes on people because they've refused to honor God. In other words, if you continue to honor and be thankful, it will keep confusion out of your life. It will keep that, those dark thoughts. How many people know about dark thoughts? How many, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you might be too ashamed, but I'll raise my hand and tell you I have some dark thoughts at times. Okay, but I realized something. Those dark thoughts want me. They want me to go with them. And what Paul was saying, that that's what will happen to people when we begin to, to not give God honor and not, not give, be thankful. It's darkness begins to ascend into us, into our minds. And he says these, uh, there's confusions. And what happens, and we know this, we lose our moral compass. We lose our moral compass. We don't have that moral compass in us uh, to direct us to the due north. Suddenly, our compass is pointing us in a different direction. It's pointing us to something else besides where we should be going. Am I talking to anybody this morning? We, that's what happens. That's what happens when we re- re- release this. And we no longer, we no longer can perceive spiritual reality. We lose touch with what's real spiritually. And I, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of Christianity has lost that. In many ways, we've lost the reality of what's truly spiritual. Because we, we, our moral compass is off. We have created theology and doctrines about God which are not necessarily what the Bible really teaches. Because we've wanted something that suits our thinking. We've wanted something that may suit our situation. We wanted something that could explain this mysterious God and explain His actions. We've wanted an explanation from God about a hell that why could a good God create a hell? And so we've created theology and thoughts around that. But they, those, those are an off. They, they are explaining things away instead of letting God have His way. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? Truth is being suppressed little by little by little. It really is. And it's subtle and it's deceitful. It really is. And what happens is on a personal level, we lose touch with our purpose. We lose touch with why we're here. Becky and I were talking on the way to church this morning about young people. Uh, you know, as, you, as a young person, well, I have a granddaughter that's going to be 15. Happy birthday, Emma. And she's special. It's my first granddaughter. She's turning 15 tomorrow, right? And we were talking about 
that age for young people that can be challenging and how a young person can lose their way and begin to get involved in things they shouldn't because you can't live a moral life. You can't live a genuine life, a purpose-filled life without God, without God's influence in your life. He, he's the only way a young person or even an old person, maybe even worse for old people, you know what I'm talking about? It, it could be worse, but the, what happens is young people lose their purpose because God has a purpose for everybody. And they lose touch with that purpose. And when you lose touch with your purpose, you lose touch with everything in life. Then you begin to dr drift in life and you start going in directions and start doing things that you wouldn't have done if you really saw your purpose and you really saw who you really are. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Is anybody here this morning? I know it's Labor Day. I seem to be the one laboring. <laughs> I'm just joking. But what happens ultimately, and we see it over and over with the help of governments and even the help of the church, there's a perversion. There's a perversion of desires. And you read the rest of it, you know, because of man's flesh, the perversion takes over. And that's, that's what Paul's talking about. This is where this stuff ultimately goes. And, and culture becomes perverted. Society becomes perverted. Suddenly it's okay for a man to be to be married to, a one, uh, to another man. Like, what? I mean, that's insanity. You know, there's this confusion that gets on people. They're confused. They're, they're genuinely confused because this darkness has come upon them. And they don't know the way. And, it's all, and it all goes back to this one thing, that this, this thing is the truth about God it's being suppressed in our culture. And I think that's really the... Well, I spent a lot of time talking about that, didn't I? So here's the thing about the truth about God. When the truth about God is suppressed, everything else is suppressed. The truth about your life will be suppressed. To the degree God's truth is suppressed in your life, that's the degree your, your purpose, your calling, your dreams will be suppressed. It's, it highly impacts us. It highly impacts us. And so this is really a critical thing that... that this, that's how the devil does everything. You're, the truth about your identity, the truth about your health, you know, the truth, the truth about your future, the, the, the truth about getting married if you're a single person, the truth about what God wants to do with you financially, the truth about what God wants you to do down the road, the truth about what God wants you to do right now. All of that gets suppressed. Everything gets suppressed. And suddenly here you are as an individual with all of the things, the creation in you is suddenly that God put in you. It's being suppressed little by little by little. Am I talking to anybody? You know? And so what happens on a bigger picture, the truth about current issues. Things are being suppressed in our culture. And they've been starting popping up lately, but there's stuff behind the scenes that we don't even know about. There's things happening, there's things governments do that they suppress it. They don't want anybody to know about it. It's, it's, but it's true. And the reason, here's the reason. It's not just that they're bad, because the truth about God is suppressed. And if we want to fix our country, we can't fix it politically. We really can't. I'm telling you, that is not the answer. It's going to be helpful to maybe get somebody who's a little more moral, 
you know, in, in the offices and who might be a more of a believer. I believe we should pursue all that and go after all that. But the tr- at the end of the day, we've got to break this thing off in our nation that has, has suppressed the truth. And it's been going on. We've watched it. We've watched it over the few years. We have slowly watched it. Okay? Now, Marxism is a good thing. When did that happen? It's been going on for years. Little by little by little. And here's the sad thing is people believe that. But the truth is, it's a bad thing. And the only way that can, we can ever bring that truth is somehow is for God himself to not be suppressed. And the truth about him not be suppressed. That's the answer for us. That is our greatest answer. You know, I think about the, you know, all the controversy about the coronavirus. Should I bring that up? <laughs> well, there's controversy about it. You have different views speaking out there from the medical science. You know, you have some that are adamant about certain parts of it, and then you have others saying, no, that's not true. Here's the problem. The truth about God. Therefore, the truth about this virus is being suppressed. I promise you, there's truth about this virus one way or the other that we don't know. And that truth is being suppressed for a reason. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? And that's why we have to realize this is what's going on in our culture. These verses are telling us this is what's happening in your culture. Okay? You know... Abortion, there's truth about abortion. Just recently, I don't really want to get on all, all this, but this is crazy. Uh, Sanger Square, y'all know Sanger Square in Manhattan? Y'all know where the Sanger Abortion Clinic in Manhattan, New York, that's where Manhattan is, has recently changed their name because they found out Margaret Sanger hated black people and started that whole move to kill off black people and Jewish people. Because they're despicable. And so they kind of, all of a sudden, this is starting to come like, see, all that's been suppressed for years. And I have talked to pro-abortion people that wanted to argue that point with me. Like, no, 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 go, go research it. Go find out what she really said. Find out why, why all this was begun in the first place. And see, that's a great example of, of truth being suppressed. A truth about a person who started a pretty terrible move that's destroyed millions and millions of lives. You know, racism, that's another thing. I hate to say this, y'all. I know a lot of y'all are white people. (laughs) I've had conversations with a lot of white people about racism and a lot of black people about racism. And I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of really good white people that I love dearly that are totally wrong about racism. You go talk to some black people about racism. You're going to get a different story. White people will give you yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but about it. And somehow it's become because, because Black Lives Matters is a bad organization, a wicked organization, they've taken over that term and they have pushed white people away. Now, I will say that, but I'll tell you, there's no excuse in it. There's no excuse in white people not facing up that there's racism in our country, and it is a sin before God, and God hates it, and God wants to do something about it. 
And we need to be people who are willing to say to say to the world because that's the problem with the church. The church doesn't want to get up and face it. So give Black Lives Matter. Let them have all the voice. That's what we've done. We've let radicals have the voice on it. And they've said stuff that's true, but they've said a bunch of stuff that's not true. And so we've just kicked the whole thing to the curb. Ask Marlon Magusu. Ask Louis Sosa back there about racism. They'll tell you. Maya will tell you. Sammy will tell you. Crystal will tell you. Because they personally experienced it. Not ten years ago, but recently. And every black person that, I, that loves the Lord, and should I just say it, every black person that I know that loves God and is voting for Donald Trump will tell you there's racism in America. And it's embedded into us. Now, I know a lot of patriotic kind of Christians don't like to hear that. I'm just telling you, it's the truth. And I think we need to repent of it. And I think we need to have truth about it. And repent. And I think God will give us a voice in it. But as long as we're suppressing that because we're offended by what some bad black people are doing or bad white people and about some of the laws that have been passed, as long as we let that happen because we're, we're, we're refused to accept the truth. I'm sorry if I look. You know, you know I'm, not, I'm not trying. I'm just telling y'all, if we don't face it, they get the voice. If we don't deal with it, they have the voice. We don't have the voice. They have the voice. Yeah. And so when we begin to get the truth about it, yes, that's true. Yeah, but we had a black president. So what? Probably every black Christian in the world like, ugh. That didn't help us. That put us down. You know, that doesn't count we had a black president. It doesn't count that there's rules and laws that have given black people some kind of advantage. I'll just finish with this. You go into any city in the United States. And go to the poorest sections. I promise you, nine times out of ten, they're black. Now that should just tell you, that right there should just tell y'all something, you know. And we need to really, we need to lock arms with our black brothers and sisters, and tell them, hey, we're with you on this. We're we're, and I believe when we begin to do that, God's going to raise up the voice of the church. And we can begin to do something about this thing. We're not going to stop BLM uh, with the way we've done things just because we're offended at them. We're not going to, we can't stop it. But boy, when God, when this suppression of this thing begins to get released off the church, there's an anointing that comes and nobody can stand against the anointing of God. Nobody, nobody can stand against the power of God. You know, old Herod in the Bible, he was doing all that chitter-chatter, you know, killing people, and all of a sudden he falls over dead. Worms ate him up is what the Bible said. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really mean to get on that. I got to get going. Let me read this verse to you. I know people in this room disagree with me on it, but I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Honestly, I'm fine if you don't agree with what I just said. That doesn't hurt my feelings. I still love you. You know, I hope you still love me, but and we can disagree, you know. Let me read this anyways. Lord, help me. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 10, Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Isn't that nice? That's the future. We won. That's it. Hey, this battle's over. Jesus shows up 
and looks at the dude and how, oh, he's done. <laughs> this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. That's, that's going to happen. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse, listen, they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. They refuse to love and accept. The, the more literal translation of that would be they did not receive a love for the truth. They didn't receive it. They, they refused to receive a love for the truth. That's powerful, isn't it? That's very powerful. You know what? We can have knowledge about truth. We can have doctrinal accuracy about truth, theological accuracy about truth. We can know all about truth. But if we don't, Paul's saying here, the difference making is not that. The difference maker is having a love for the truth. That's what's going to make a difference in your life. You can know the Bible inside out. You can know everything right to say, everything right to do. But at the end of the day, if you don't love the truth, that's where the thing is going to shift for you. And it's something we receive, receives a key word. The Bible says, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. In other words, the lo- love is, is, is glad when truth happens. When truth is brought forth, love is excited. Love is happy. That's how love works. Love doesn't work. Really, truly, it doesn't really work apart from truth. Because love is always aiming at truth. Love is always going after truth. And it wants tr- the truth to prevail. Am I talking to anybody? And so there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit concerning a love for the truth. So he's inviting the church into to love, into a love affair with the truth. He really is. He wants to have us to have an affair, a love affair with truth, where we love the truth above everything else. And that we grab at the truth, we embrace the truth. And it's hard to sometimes. But we can we can choose. We can choose not to love the truth. We, we actually, that you know, can I say this? Are y'all okay? But can you realize this? I, I'm personally, and this is me, I don't really believe 100 but I like the phrase falling in love. You know what I'm saying? A man falls in love with a woman. I like that phrase, but the truth is, at least in my, myself, love's a choice. I'm telling you, when I was with Becky when we were young, you know, we were seeing each other. I came to a point where I knew I had to make a choice. I came to this point. And it was like I came to the edge of the cliff. Am I going to fall into this place called love? I could have said no. I wasn't compelled to, to love her. Nobody was going to make me love her. She wasn't demanding. In fact, I told her I loved her. And she didn't tell me for a while that she loved me. She had to think about it. She had to go make a choice. Like, am I going to love this guy? Because this could be difficult. <laughs> and she was right more than she knew. <laughs> you know? And, it, and so we make our choices, and then our choices make us. And so we can make a choice today about loving the truth. And that choice is going to make you. It's going to impact you. If you choose not to love the truth, it's going to impact your life in ways that you don't want. Because there's going to be a suppression of things that's going to happen. See, we can never really dis- truly discern what's really happening around us without loving the truth. You hear what I'm saying? You, you can watch as many of those YouTube prophecies and things that people do. You can watch as many as you want to, but if you don't love the truth, you're not going to be able to really truly discern what's happening. You're not even able to discern what this person's saying 
You hear me? Without loving the truth. That's how we are able to discern if something's of the Holy Spirit or not. It's by loving the truth. That's the only way to do it. In fact, I'll read the verse to you right here. John 18, 37. This is talking to Jesus. Pilate said, so you're a king. Jesus responded, you say that I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth, listen, all who love the truth, this is Jesus, recognize that what I say is true. All who love the truth can recognize God's voice. That's what Jesus said. That's how you recognize because there's millions of voices screaming at us right now. There's voices coming at us like floods constantly. And the only way we're going to be able to recognize the voice and all of this is loving the truth. Have you felt that? Have you felt, wow, was, is this true? Is that true? What is true? I feel overwhelmed. I can't take no more. Have you anybody y'all felt that? I don't want to hear no more. I want to run away. Take me somewhere to a deserted island until after the elections. You ever felt that? I got to get out of here. This is driving me crazy. Because all these voices and you can't, you can't discern it without loving the truth. Once you begin to love the truth, you could say, that's not a voice for me. That's not, my, that's not what God wants me to hear. You can pick up his voice and recognize it in something else. Because God has truly put many voices on the earth. He really has. He's put many voices on the earth to represent him. Because no one voice can represent the voice of the Lord. So the key for you and I is to be able to discern the voice that he wants us, wants us to hear. You know the belt of truth in the Bible? Y'all remember that? In the Ephesians 6? Supposedly it holds all the rest of the armor in place. The belt of truth. In, in other words, you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be vulnerable without a love for the truth. If truth is not girding you, if truth is not that, you're, you're going to be vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. Because that belt of truth held, you know, the breastplate and plate, all these things it held together where you could you can actually resist the devil and actually resist what he's doing and actually engage him in spiritual warfare. But if you don't love the truth, you're susceptible to the enemy overcoming you and, and hurt hurting you with his fiery darts. Let me read this other verse. Okay, I'm well, thank you, Lord, right? For the love of truth. 2 Peter 1.12 For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things though you know, listen, and are established in the present truth. You hear that? Know and be established in the present truth. In other words, what is the Holy Spirit saying? What is He speaking now? Because it may not be what he was speaking last year at this time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, what Peter was saying is we have to have some current, something now. We can't go back to what God did in us years ago. It's not that those truths that he revealed to us in yesteryear are no longer true. They're just building blocks for what God wants to say to you now. 
And if you're holding on to what he said, faith comes by hearing, right? It didn't say faith comes by what you heard. It says it comes by hearing. Now. What is God saying now? And that's where we have to really be committed, you know, to really have that current relationship with the Lord. And whatever God is currently doing and currently saying, that's the thing we need to grab hold of. And that's hard to do because lots of us don't know what he's saying. But if we begin to love the truth, we'll begin to hear him. And then we can begin to embrace what he's saying. Let me read this uh, verse here, John 6, 63. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak, speak, not spoke. Are y'all hearing this? That's the present truth that, that Peter was trying to get to, to the people. Is you've got to have something going with the Holy Spirit now. Because if you don't have it, you won't be establishing what he's presently saying. And you're going to be out of sync with what he's presently doing. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are out of sync because they're having such a difficulty with all this going on, and we want to reject it. I know I do. Like, can we just not do this? You know? <laughs> I want to do something else, Lord. <laughs> I would like to talk about something else. I want to talk about something that I really like, Lord, not this. <laughs> you know, I think we're all like that. But we had to connect in with what he's presently saying. Am I talking to anybody in this room? I, I'm feeling like y'all are just looking at me like just with fire in your eyes. So here's what's happening. This is not, please don't take this negative. We have a lot of opinions, but not much conviction. I'm telling you. And there ain't no power in opinions. There's no power in opinions. There's power in conviction. And that's why we've become kind of a powerless people, because we have a lot of opinions about lots of things, but we don't have a lot of conviction, Holy Ghost conviction about something. And that's where his, his power rides in on conviction. His power doesn't ride in on our opinions. One of the things in the Bible that I feel is really important, I'm just going to brag that I said this to y'all back before all the coronavirus was, was uh, Matthew 24 and 25. I bet you don't remember me giving you that message, do you? I'm sorry, y'all forgot. I didn't forget that mess. I forget a lot of my messages. In fact, I was trying to remember, did I preach last week or not? And if I did, what did I say? Because I can't remember that. <laughs> did I remind? Jim preached. <laughs> That's how bad I am. But in all seriously, seriousness, here's the thing. You have ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1 through 13. You got ten virgins, ten believers. Five were wise, five were foolish. What's the difference between the wise and the foolish? The foolish didn't have oil at the darkest, the midnight hour. In the Bible, when it says the midnight hour, it's not necessarily talking about a time on the clock. It's talking about at the darkest moment. At the darkest moment. We're at probably not the darkest moment, but we're at a dark moment. And we're looking around, where's the oil? Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Where's the oil? That's the problem. That's the problem I'm saying. Where's the oil? We're we're at the darkest hour. Where's the oil? Where's the truth? They they said, give us some of your oil. Can't do it. 
I, we can't do that. that does, that's not how this oil thing works. You go and buy your oil. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go get it yourself. You can't. And here's another thing about this oil thing that I know is true. You can't go back into a time in your life where you had the oil. Right? At, at the darkest hour, you can't harken back to the day when God was moving powerfully in your life and you were on fire for God and God was moving and you were full of faith. You can't go back to that time. You're, you, it's the moment you're in. You've got to look at your oil. And I see the oil and the truth as being the same here because, listen to this, Proverbs 23, 23. It says, get the truth and never sell it. A more literal translation, buy the truth and never sell it. Buy the truth and never sell it. Also, get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Those are really great things right now to have. Wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. You know, and God wants to give them to us, and he wants us to buy the truth. I remember, I'm about to finish, y'all, just in case you're getting anxious. But I remember when I was a young believer listening to Arthur Burke preach, okay? And Arthur Burke was always talking about buying the truth and not selling it. And here I was, this punk, you know, very carnal believer, honestly. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was, you know, anointed, had that anointing of tongues on me. And, but I was carnal, you know. But I was bothered by that, by the truth thing. Okay? It really bothered me a lot about buying the truth. Because I'm like, why do you buy the truth? What is he talking about? What is he talking about? You know, everyone of us in this room, we're going to have to buy the truth for every day of our life. Every day of your life, you get to make a choice about the truth. You know? And that's what I, I've, I've learned is we, you know, it's easy to compromise, isn't it? for whatever reason, to be liked, to fit in. You know, it's easy to make those compromises in your life. That's when you're selling the truth. It's when you compromise something, maybe just a little bit, maybe you didn't tell 100% of the truth, or maybe you withheld truth that needed to be spoken at that moment, but you withheld it. See, there's lots of ways we sell the truth. And that was really the thing that I felt all my Christian life about buying the truth is walking in truth. You know, being a person of integrity. You know, and, and being honest with people. I was talking to a friend of mine this week who, you know, a long time ago committed adultery. Um, and, he, and the Lord's restored him. I mean... And I asked him, I say, well, tell me how you got out of all that. How, what has got you out? How did you? He said, I came to the point where I told 100% truth. I didn't hold anything back. As painful and as humiliating that was, I told the 100% truth. And that got me free. It got me free. And I thought, wow. Wow, that's kind of convicting. <laughs> and actually, he's doing quite well today, I think. I mean, he's prospering in the Lord, and he's remarried, and he's got an amazing life. But one of the things I feel like the Lord wants us to have right now that I've been really asking the Lord to give it to me is, the you know, in the Hebrews, not Hebrews, but Isaiah 11 and in Revelation chapter 1, chapter one 2, and 4, and 5, it talks a lot about the seven spirits of God. 
So that's what it talks about. Like there's not seven Holy Spirits, right? But there's one Holy Spirit. There's seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of counsel and might. Spirit of counsel and might. And what we really need right now, we need the counsel of the Lord more than ever. And we need, we, we really need that anointing on us big time to know, you know, to be able to bring it forth into our world. And I, I'm just saying, Lord, I, I mean, every night, right before I go, Lord, I, I desperately need the spirit of counsel and might. Please give it to me. And when I wake up in the morning, I pray the same thing again, not just to be praying for the sake of prayer, but I feel the need of it in my life. Is that we need to be asking the Lord for the Holy Spirit to manifest the spirit of counsel and, and the spirit of might to be able to follow through on the counsel of the Lord. That's more important than anything we need right now is the counsel of the Lord. Isn't there a scripture that says the counsel of the Lord stands forever? Uh, in his heart, well, how does that go? In his heart of generations or something like that. Is that Psalm 34, somebody? 33, maybe. So, what does it say, Jim? 33, 10, 11. Mm, the plans of his heart to every generation. The counsel of the Lord and the plans to every generation. So, <clears throat> mm, so the Bible says because they didn't receive a love for the truth. It's receiving. How do you receive a love for the truth? How, what does that mean? You know, well, I think it starts... By receiving a love for God. I think that's the very foundation because you can't love you can't love truth if you can't love the person who's telling the truth. If we have a love for God, then we are going to begin to love the truth, he says. Even when it's painful and even when you don't like it. If we would ask the Lord, Lord, give us an impartation of your love. We want, to, we want to love you. We want to love you. And that's how we honor and be thankful to the Lord is it comes out of love. It doesn't come out of discipline. It comes out of receiving a love for him, and then you want to. Hey, listen, I've, I've been faithful to Becky, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say there's not been times where I've been tempted. Okay, but you know what? This is what I thought. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because I love her, and I would never want to do anything to hurt her or dishonor her. So I'm not going to let my mind go down that route. And I'm getting out of it fast as I can. I know a guy one time, this is hilarious. This, is, this for sure happened. He was in this house, okay? And he found him, and there was people there, and all of a sudden everybody was gone except him and this female that was not his wife. And she... You know, did what they do, whatever they do, you know, whatever you call that. I don't even know what they call it anymore, but, you know, she went after him. He literally took off running out of that house and ran out of his shoes and wouldn't go back and get them. Literally, because he was so scared that he was going to do something that he knew was going to bring hell into his life. And so I think... You know, the Lord really wants us to be 100% honest about things. And, and He wants us to, but He wants us to have love in our life. 
And he wants us to love the truth. He wants us to receive a love for the truth and not receive everything else that just comes our way. And then we can begin, then we can begin to know what Jesus is saying. Because here, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you this, just to make it clear to everybody, I am not going to lead this church by politics. I flat refuse to. If y'all want a church that's led by politics, I'm out. I, I will leave. I will go on gracefully and nicely. But I want to be led by what Jesus is saying. I want to hear what he's saying and do that, even if it feels like it's offend, offending, you know, and offensive and doesn't seem to line up. And I think the church needs to be really careful in this hour. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We need to be careful that we don't become so dogged political. You hear me? That we forget there's a king on the throne that we worship and that we're trying to figure out what he wants us to do and not what everything else is wanting. Now, that's the truth. And I don't think we can separate church from politics 100%. I think it'd be stupid for us to. I think one of the problems we have in our nation is we've done that. I think the church needs to have a voice in politics. We really do. Yeah, everybody else does. We've let everybody else have a voice. And look what's happened. This daggone mess we got right now. Because we have set back. I want to say this. Or y'all can tell me to stop. We've had moves of God since I've been a believer. Powerful moves of God. You know, the charismatic move of God worldwide was millions of people got saved. Millions of people. Our country was majorly impacted in the 70s. Then we had this prophetic move in the 80s. Then we had this Toronto blessing move in the 90s. Then we had this worship thing, Bethel Church revelatory thing that come. But look what has happened to our nation in the meantime. What happened? What happened? God did all this stuff for us. Where were we? What did we do with it? Did we just take it to ourselves? I'm just being serious. Those are the questions. Lord, all my Christian life, I've seen you move and do mighty things. But look at our country now. What happened? I heard John Arna. Y'all know he was the, the father of the Toronto move. I heard him say, I heard him say about the Toronto blessing, it wasn't enough. Look at the state of our nations. He said that. It wasn't enough. I just wonder, maybe it was enough. Maybe we just took it to ourselves. And I don't, I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just saying we got to think about this. We got to think about what's happening around us and what we're doing as the people who God has put on this earth to be His eyes, be His ears, and be His mouth, be His hands, be His feet. That's why we're here. We're here to see for God. And when we see something that's wrong, we need to go to God and say, that's wrong. That's rioting is wrong, God. That's not right. We need to change that. Marxism is wrong, God. They've done this. And he might say, well, they did it on your watch, but I'm going to help you. But we need to be those eyes to see those things and be able to call out the truth on those things. But if we call them out in a bitter way, and not call them out speaking the truth in love, which everybody knows that's how this thing is supposed to work. If we can begin to do that. Are y'all getting this? Yeah. About what I'm saying? You see, God wants, to, God wants to do something with us. 
I, I just feel that, y'all. I'm sorry I feel. I'm sorry I feel some of the things I feel. But I am troubled by the church. I'm troubled by some of our responses. I'm troubled by our response to racism. I'm troubled by some of this political thing I feel. I'm just troubled by it because I'm not hearing his voice in it. And I struggle with that. I struggle with it. And I'm a very conservative person, by the way, just in case you were wondering. I mean, politically, I'm super conservative. You know, I really am. I'm not, I've never been like a left-wing person at all. But I'll be honest with you. I'm troubled by some of the stuff I hear from real conservative believers. Because some of it, it's like they're saying it as, as if it is the word of the Lord. And I'm telling you, that's an error. It's an error. And if we go down that road, we'll go into error. We will go into error. We've got to love the truth. If we'll love the truth, then we'll be able to discern the truth. And we'll be able to take the stuff out of, the, out of our political views and say, Oh, well, that is not right. Toss that. But that is right. And we can stand on that and we can have conviction about that. But we can't, everything can't be right because it's coming out of the mouth of man. Why am I saying all this? I feel stupid saying this. <laughs> Anyways. The main thing is, though, is us loving the truth. Let's ask the Lord, Lord, we want to receive a love for the truth. It really needs to start in our own families, our own hearts. You know, you know the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And we, need to, we need to acknowledge that at times we're liars. I know that's hard to hear, but if we can say, Lord, it's true, I'm a liar. And you're the only one that's true. That's, that's where freedom starts. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our hearts. And once we allow it to do what it does in us, then we can see it come out, go out of the church and go into our, into our communities. So, Father, we're asking you this morning. We humble ourselves to you and saying, mm, help. Lord, our nation's a disaster. And I know that you've allowed it, all this terrible stuff to come, to come to the surface. As painful it is to see and hurtful it is to hear. And we're, we're so sorry, Lord, that all that's happening. And we, we don't know how to do this, but we ask you to help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to buy the truth. Help us to buy the truth about ourselves and about our about the body of Christ in America, about the state of our nation. I just ask you, Holy Spirit. I just feel like this. I think it's really important that you know, buy the truth, also get wisdom and understanding and good judgment. I think wisdom and understanding good judgment really work with truth you know you know we need some good judgment we need some understanding so Father we just ask you today Lord help and give us along with a love for the truth but also give us wisdom as a people 
Give us under spiritual understanding, Lord, as a people. And give us, Lord, good judgment as a people. Lord, there's decisions that are going to have to be made as we go forward. And we really want your judgment on those decisions. We ask you to release your judgment on those decisions, Lord. We're going to need wisdom. We're going to need wisdom about things happening around us. We're going to need wisdom in our homes, in our jobs, in our community. We're going to need wisdom from God to do the right things. So ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask Him to give you wisdom right now. He wants to give us wisdom. He said if we would ask for wisdom, He would give it to us. Lord, we're asking you today for wisdom. There are some hard decisions in front of us. There are some very difficult decisions in front of us personally, in front of, as a church, and as far as our nation is concerned. There are going to be some difficult moments. And we've got to have this wisdom from God. We've got to have this understanding from God and good judgment from God. And if we get that, we'll get through to the other side. And we'll, we'll have this victory that God really wants to bring about in our nation and in our homes and our lives. I hope this is okay. Uh, I really hesitate to do something like this, but uh, at the end, please stay up here with me because I think uh, something that Byron said called to my mind uh, what I heard before the throne of God Almost 40 years ago, I had a, an open vision where I was taken into the throne room. And in part of that vision where the Lord said, I'm going to release this sort of circumstance on the church. And I've wondered when that was going to happen. I think that that's happening. I really do personally believe that's happening. But part of what I heard during that thing relates to something that you said. There was the voice of the accuser of the brethren who came before the throne of God and said this. Yes, your people can have victory and glorify your name when they're persecuted and they have no other choice but to call out on your name and give you glory. But if you bless your people and pour out uh, gracious things on them, they will heap those blessings unto themselves and pretend to give you glory while keeping the blessings for themselves. And I think that when, when Byron was talking about we've had these moves of God over the last 40 years, every decade there's been a new move of God, you know? And we haven't confronted what was ugly and evil in our society around us. And I just want to repent for that, if I could, and say, Lord, we repent. Lord, we repent. We have not confronted the injustices in our society.
We have not confronted racism. We've tried, but we've not succeeded in confronting the evils of abortion, Lord God. We have softened the truth about biblical morality and sexuality to not offend people. And we repent, Lord God. Help us. We cry out to you, help us, dear Father. Help us. But continue to pour out your mercy and blessing and grace upon us, Lord God. Pour out. We repent. We have not handled the riches of heaven that you poured out on us so graciously well, Father. We ask for your forgiveness and we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your counsel to be established in our hearts. That we would know what to do. That we would know how to respond to this day in which we live, Lord God. I believe we've been called for such a time as this. But honestly, Father, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to bring healing. I don't know how to bring deliverance. We need your Holy Spirit poured out upon us once again, God. Oh, God, turn it around. Turn this mess around. Don't let the darkness overwhelm us, Lord God. Turn up the light. Turn up the truth in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us again. Help us, God. We don't know what to do. And we've messed up. But come, Father God. Well, that's a a very powerful prayer. If you agree with it, which I do agree with what he just said. Would you just come up to the front for a moment? Yeah. Won't y'all come up to the front? If you, if you want to. I'm just saying, if you feel like God is speaking to you this morning, and just let the Holy Spirit do what he does. No matter what, it, what level you're in, just, just say, yes, I want to receive a love of the truth. Yes, I want to humble myself today to you, Lord. The goodness of God that you presented this morning calls for repentance. The goodness of God brings repentance. In this nation, September the 26th, the return, there will be nations repenting. We have a great team from here coming. We'll be repenting, but we could start that as a fish in a loaf at this place where the truth was. Because you, you can't make up repentance. It has to be the goodness of God. So, Lord, we just offer up our five loaves and two fishes to you this morning of repentance and just asking you that you'd help us today, Lord. We just offer it up to you, Lord. We're not... That's all we're doing, Lord. Yeah. Anoint us with the Holy Ghost of... Convict us, Lord, of things that we need to be convicted of. I know there's stuff in your hearts, different ones that we need some things you need to repent of and and maybe even need things you need to make right and you need to do that really it's a good time to do that and just say Lord Jesus but use judgment use judgment and wisdom on however you interact don't just be crazy about stuff use good judgment yeah seek out counsel if you need it Lord we ask you for the counsel of the Lord and I believe the repentance really is the counsel of the Lord as a nation. So we just are asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Mm.
I believe we've heard the fresh word of the Lord this morning. And the word of God said that man shall live by every word that precedeth out of the mouth of God. So what has been spoken here today, we need to live in and live out in our life. I just felt like what Byron was sharing during the worship about when he first came up about there's like this window um, that we've pushed through into the heavenlies and evil is leaving and God's presence is coming down. And when, when Byron was up there talking about earlier in his message about the, the racism and how the church has not acknowledged it and we haven't spoken truth about it. And, I mean, we might have missed the window of time to deal with that. I felt like there was a real strong anointing just to deal with that racism right now, right here, cut the thing off at the root, and just do some business in the spirit on that issue. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we're just going to go for it now anyway. Um, and so, Jesus, I just thank you for showing us what you want us to do. And, Lord, we just speak the truth. We, have, we confess that we have hidden and pushed aside the truth that racism exists in our nation. And Lord, we repent for how we as Christians and as Americans and as individuals have handled racism. Lord, we repent and we ask your forgiveness on us as individuals, on us as Christians, and on our entire nation. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and your cleansing. And we just decree that the root of that racism, we just cut that thing off right now in Jesus name we just lay an axe to the root and we just decree that thing is broken right now in Jesus name in our in the Christian community in our individual lives and in our nation in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Lord just real quick I feel like this is how we need to go forward from here this is what the Lord requires of us to do justly, not to judge those who don't do justice justly. We do justly, and then we love mercy. That's how we respond to those who don't do justly. We love mercy, and then we walk, as this message is said all day long, humbly with our God. That's what the Lord requires of us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's give the Lord a good hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Kingdom of God is at hand. Everybody reach your hand out. Say, Kingdom of God, here I am. Manifest yourself. I bring it into myself more. More kingdom. More will be done. Your will. Yeah. 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 Hey, Lord bless y'all. Thank you for staying.